Hello, my name is Brad. We are Grace Teaching today. We're talking about delighting ourselves in the Lord and He will give us the desires of our heart. What does that mean? Well, we'll talk a little bit about that. First of all, um, this comes from Psalms and uh, David, he was the psalmist. Um, the desires of the heart are the key benefits of a personal relationship with Jesus. And so, of course, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, forever. And so David, under the old covenant, delighted himself in the Lord as we do today under this new covenant. Um, But remember, at the moment of our conversion, and I'm speaking to those of us who were in Christ, um, we were given the desires of our heart. That's right. In Christ was life, and this life was the light of men. So remember that... uh, when we were placed in Christ at conversion, before Christ we were dead, we were made alive by His grace, and when He came in, He actually came in with our heart's desires. That's right, He came in and He supplies us with those spiritual needs, and uh, those desires of the heart are the need for unconditional love and acceptance and security and assurance, everything's going to be all right and significance. We're lovable all the time because of what he's done for us. So first of all, what does the Bible say about delighting in the Lord? To delight yourself or to delight ourselves in him means to find our greatest joy in the person of Jesus Christ. That means knowing him, talking to him, and hearing him, hearing his voice. Remember, he said, my sheep hear my voice. Okay. And so when I was out doing a prayer walk or something, I he laid on my heart. You know, I heard his voice, not an audible voice, but in my thoughts, it was these desires of the heart are met. And so they're met in me, he said. And so remember, that's not something we have to wait for. The desires of the heart are already there. Okay? So delight ourselves in the Lord. What does that mean? Well, the word delight actually is a verb and it is an action of taking great pleasure in Jesus Christ alone. Remember, understanding our oneness in Christ is going to help us to experience um, our heart's desire, um, our desires that are already met in Christ Jesus that we already have, okay? So 1 Corinthians 6, 17 is going to tell us whoever is joined to the Lord is one spirit with him. Also, the Apostle Paul is going to write and say, God and my God shall supply all of your need according to his glorious riches, which are in Christ Jesus. Okay, so first of all, it all starts with Jesus. He initiates his life for us because he loves us. Jesus dies for us so he can give his life to us, so he can transmit his life through us. In fact, in John 15, 16, he says, You did not choose me, but I chose you to go out and bear fruit. He said this in Matthew's Gospel, Even the Son of Man does not come to be served, but to serve others, and to give his life as a ransom for many. Remember, Jesus doesn't want what we can do for him to get anything from him. He came to initiate his life um, towards us. We were the responders in this case. And so the identity of Christ is going to be unconditional love. Christ loved the church, Ephesians 5.25. 
and he gave his life up for her, you see. So the desires of the heart also that we already have met in Christ um, is the need for acceptance. We all want to be accepted, don't we? You know, I heard a great definition of acceptance, and uh, it was as a um, as I was going in to help Alzheimer's patients. Um, one thing they said is, you know, <clears throat> when you help these Alzheimer's patients, you have to accept them just the way they are. You see. Um, and acceptance is taking people just the way they are without wanting or trying to change them, you see. Ephesians 1.6 says, To the praise of the glory of his grace by which he made us accepted in the beloved. You see, because of what Jesus Christ has done now, we are 100% accepted in him. Now he loves us unconditionally. So we're accepted we're loved unconditionally. The desires of the heart, which are love and acceptance, have been met in him. Remember, even the Beatitudes in Matthew 5, 6, Jesus spoke about this. He said, Blessed is the man who hungers and thirsts for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Keep in mind, lost people before Christ is who we were, and we were hungry and thirsty for these um, needs for love and acceptance. And these were the desires of our heart. But now as saved people, um, we no longer hunger or thirst. In, in fact, those needs for love and acceptance have been met in him. So those desires of the heart are met in Christ. We are no longer needy. We are satisfied. Okay, so keep that in mind. Um, and so remember that uh, nothing can ever separate us from the love of Christ. Um, because of what he's done for us. Um, and agape love, you know, we look at the word um, love in the Greek language, and what we're going to see is a word called agape. Now, the word agape is, is described as God's love, and uh, this is the love that Jesus has for mankind. Um, this is the desire of everyone's heart is to be loved. Um, Christ's agape love for believers is not kindled by a merit of worth or of its object. Remember, it originates in its own God-given nature. In fact, Christ's love, his agape love for the church, desires only one, only the good of the one loved. It is a consuming passion for the well-being of believers. Read Psalms 136 and meditate on that. 26 times, David said, the Lord's love endures forever. Be encouraged. This has been the first part of delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Brad, we are grace teaching today. What is the greatest commandment? We're going to talk about that today. Many of us might know the answer to that, or we might think we know the answer to that. Um, <clears throat> we're going to go to the text in Matthew chapter 22, verse 35 through 40. This is where um, the law um, the experts in the law of Moses are asking Jesus a question to test him. And he said, um, they said, Teacher, um, which commandment in law is most important? 
And Jesus replied, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, and all your mind. This is the first and most important command. And the second command is like the first, love your neighbor the same as you love yourself. All of the law and the writings of the prophets take their meaning from these two commands. I want you to keep in mind here and look at something there. Um, Again, Jesus is giving them um, a need for his righteousness. What is he doing? Um, Notice how the experts in the law of Moses are uh, asking for the greatest commandment in the law. But we're under grace, aren't we? Let me uh, show you something here. These two commands that Jesus is giving the uh, experts in the law of Moses. Um, First of all, to love God. Um, Under the new covenant, we're going to see, John is going to tell us to love God is to believe in his son, Jesus Christ. In fact, it's a command. Okay, we're going to see that under the new covenant. Um, So how well are they doing in that area? Well, not so well because they're rejecting him. They're not believing who he is, who who he claims to be. And so they're not loving God at all, are they? How about loving your neighbor the same as you love yourself? Well, keep in mind, um, the uh, experts in the law of Moses were actually persecuting um, Christians. That's right. Saul, before uh, he uh, uh, met Christ, actually was an expert in the law as an example. And he was persecuting Christians. So how well was he loving his neighbor? Not so well. Okay, and he's going to go on. Jesus is going to go on with these experts in the law, and he's going to bury them under the law. He's going to tell them things like this. He's going to say, if your right arm causes you to sin, cut it off, because it's better for you to go to heaven with one arm than to go with two. And then he says, if your right eye causes you to sin, pluck it out. It's better for you to go to heaven with one eye than to go to hell with both. You see what he's doing? And then he raises the bar and, 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 and goes one more. And he says, look, if you've even looked at a woman with lust, you've committed adultery in your heart. Now, <clears throat> he's showing them, keep in mind, that he's showing the experts in the law a need for his righteousness. He knows they don't have a righteousness that surpasses his. And so that's what he's doing here. That's one of the ministries that Jesus had before his new covenant ministry, which was the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Remember, the other ministry that Jesus had was he was giving the disciples and us an example of how to live dependent on him now under grace through the way he lived dependent on the Father. Okay, And so keep that in mind. The uh, new covenant is where God reaches down to man with love and acceptance through Jesus Christ. And it's because of the obedience of the one man, Jesus, the many are made right with God. Righteousness is just to be right with God. Okay. So remember, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Now keep in mind, we're dead to the law of Moses, okay? We're dead to the law of self, dead to the law of the church, um, dead to the Ten Commandments. You see, they were all nailed at the cross. Um, In fact, Romans 7, 4 is going to tell us, Therefore you have died to the law, so that you may be married to another, to him who was raised from the dead. 
you see, and then he goes on, Romans 10.4, Paul says, Christ is the end of the law. Everyone who believes in him is made right with God, meaning everyone who believes in Jesus Christ is made right with God, and that word believe means to accept. Galatians 5.18 tells us those who are led by the Spirit are no longer under the law of Moses. Do you get the picture there? So this, um, the greatest commandment, the two commands that Jesus gives the the law, the um, experts in the law, were not for us, you see. Remember, the law was a covenant between God and the nation people of Israel. We were never invited to that covenant. We are in a new covenant, and it's between God and the followers of Jesus Christ, you see. So, What about the commands under the New Covenant? Yes, there is New Covenant commands, and we're going to talk about those. Um, So it's no more laws, but it's all about loving God now. How do we love God? So how do we love God? You know, I've often heard the pastor in a grace church open up his prayer and say, Oh, Father God, we love you. What does that mean? I was always curious as to what that means under grace. How do you love God the Father as a child of His without initiating? See, remember, we're responders under this new covenant, you see. And so loving God is going to be really interesting. 1 John 5, 3 tells us loving God means keeping His commandments, and His commandments are not burdensome. Now, When you think about something that's not burdensome, what do you think about? Well, you're thinking about responding to a glass of cold water on a hot day, aren't you? Or when you're hungry, aren't you thinking about responding to a plate of food if somebody serves you lunch? Of course, it's going to be a response. So to be not burdensome, it's going to be like responding to something that you need, you see. So it's it's a response. In fact, Jesus, uh, John goes on to say in 1 John chapter 3, verse 23, he says, and this is his commandment, okay? Here, here's why it's not burdensome. We must believe in the name of his Son, Jesus Christ, and to love one another just as he commanded us. You see, that's why it's not burdensome, because as we respond to Jesus Christ by accepting him, What's going to happen is he dies for us so he can give his life to us so he can transmit his love through us. So to love one another as he has commanded us, that's something Christ does through the church. That's what grace is, is where Christ actually lives his life through us. Okay, We don't live for Jesus, we live from Christ. You know, there was a story about Jesus and the disciples. You know, they were sitting around the table, and of course, this was before the New Covenant. Um, And Jesus got up, and he started uh, washing the disciples' feet. He filled up a basin with water, and and he went around the room washing people, you know, disciples' feet. And uh, he said to Peter, he got to Peter, and he says, You don't realize what I'm doing right now, but you will later. And Peter says, You're not going to wash my feet, Lord. And Jesus said, unless I wash your feet, you have no part with me, meaning you cannot be my disciple. Okay? Now, he's going to go on to tell them after this, and and you know the story. Peter says, okay, go ahead, wash my feet. Not only that, wash my hands as well. And and so then he's going to go on uh, in John 13, verse 14, and he's going to say, now that I, I, Lord, 
and teacher have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. Okay, keep in mind that Jesus is giving an example. Now, this is symbolic here. That's why he says, you don't know what I'm doing right now, but you will later. Keep in mind the cleaning, the washing of the feet is symbolic to him going to a cross and cleaning the world of sin. You see, that's what he's going to do. For, You know, this is where 1 John 4.10 tells us this is love. We didn't love God, but he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away all of our sins, you see. And so now because we are forgiven and right and loved unconditionally by the Heavenly Father as his children, all he's saying here is remind each other of what Jesus Christ has accomplished for us. You see, tell people that they are forgiven because of what Jesus did. Tell the body of Christ that they are right with God because they are in Christ and for no other reason. This has nothing to do with performance or behavior. Tell the body of Christ that they're loved unconditionally by the Father because he is faithful, even when we're faithless in our unbelief. Okay. So remember, this new covenant um, forgiveness was final and unconditional. It was based on what Jesus did. You see, and so God loves his children unconditionally, and this has nothing to do with performance or behavior. But the more we hear this, the more it's going to give us a desire to want to please our Father. Because catalyst for change in the body of Christ is knowing that we're loved unconditionally by the Father because of what Jesus Christ has done and because of who we are in him, we are right now. Okay, and so Jesus is going to give the new covenant commandment here. Many in the body of Christ miss this. And what they do is they get over there and take that one out of context, that, that the commandment that we started off with, that was not even for us. We were not invited to that. Jesus, again, was just showing the experts in the law a need for his righteousness. They didn't have the religious leaders in that day that the experts in the law did not have a righteousness that surpassed his. So he was just showing them a need for his righteousness. So that's not for us. We don't initiate. So God will respond under this new covenant. He's going to initiate. So we're going to respond. And so this is the new covenant command for us who are in Christ. John 13, 34, and 35. I give you a new commandment to love one another as I have loved you. You must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Now keep in mind, we don't love for Jesus. We don't do anything for him. But as we respond to his love and what he's done for us, we're going to allow him and participate with him to extend this out to others. Remember, we abide in Christ. Jesus gave us our need for dependency on him. In John 15, 5, he says, If a man abide in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. But apart from me, you can do nothing. So if you're in Christ, guess what? You do abide in him. To abide in Christ means to just live in him. It's kind of like um, the state you live in right now. You just live in that state. You know, and that's what it means to abide there. That's where you abide. And so when you abide in Christ, it's just you live in Christ and he lives in you. That perfect peace is within us. And so keep in mind, we're just going to live from the life-giving spirit to bear his character of love, which is found, Christ's character is found in Galatians 5.22. We know his character. It's the fruit of the spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, 
goodness, faithfulness, long-suffering, and self-control. So this is only going to be bared. We're going to bear this as we live from the life-giving Spirit of Christ. Remember, we don't live for Jesus. We live from Christ. God bless. Thank you.